Amen. So, way back, 11 years ago, I was a freshman in college. That feels it's pretty crazy. Uh, much like maybe some of you. And I, like some of you, went to a school up the road, Gordon. And so I was a freshman there. Now, I, going in, I, I had a desire. And I, maybe, maybe it's a similar desire that some of you have had in that season of your life or other seasons of your life. But I had a desire. I genuinely wanted to know God better. I wanted to know not just God better, though. I wanted to know about God more. I wanted to know the Bible more. I wanted to know it better. I remember before going as a freshman thinking, I'm going to get to take classes where we just talk about the Bible. I am so excited about this. This is going to be awesome. I didn't grow up going to Christian schools or anything like that. So it was really exciting for me um, to be able to kind of grow in that place of, of knowing God better and knowing, knowing the Bible better. Um, early on, I... Well, so, so then as I get into some Bible classes, okay, there, there are a lot of ways that I knew I wanted to grow in God, but one of them was I was excited to know God's Word better. Bible was awesome. Helped change my life in a really powerful way in my mid-teenage years. And so I was excited to know it better because it still kind of stymied me in some ways or they're just, it still perplexed me in certain places. And so I remember this this group of people often would get thrown around. It was this, these biblical scholars. Have you ever like heard people throw around? And biblical scholars say, and biblical scholars say, I used to be like, who are these people? Like, who are the biblical scholars? It's kind of like, um, this is a side note, by the way, but sitting around dinner growing up, my dad, he always used to refer to like, they, like, so they say that butter is actually better for you than margarine. Did, did you know that? You know, they say, you should, I'm just like, Dad, who, who is they? And who are saying these things? So this is how I often would feel, and to be honest, still maybe do a little bit today, but when the, like, the biblical scholars get thrown around. And so I remember being somewhat on a quest as well as it. Who in the world are these biblical scholars? I want to find out who the biblical scholars are. Um, These are the people who apparently know so much about this book that has transformed my life. So I had some, I mean, I'm all for biblical scholarship. I love it. I love to study. I had some rough realizations early on, actually, about this group of people. First thing I realized that was the more I started to learn who they were and then read their literature and dig into commentaries, I realized that almost none of them agree on anything. And I was kind of like, this is interesting. These are the experts. And I read 10 commentaries and I get 10 different views. Uh, what's, what's the deal here? The other thing was, I remember asking one of my professors freshman year saying, so these biblical scholars you talk about in class, like who are they exactly? You know, what makes them up? Uh, you know, and, um, and what's the makeup of them? And somewhat a startling realization, he, he told me that probably about 20% of the people, again, this was just his take, but that we would refer to as biblical scholars, at least when he would in class, um, actually believe that God's word, was, that the Bible was God's word. And so 
that was a little startling to me. Like, oh, interesting. Okay, so only about 20% of these people that we're banking a lot on in our classes, uh, their views actually even believe that there's a God, or, and if he does exist, that he's real, uh, or that we can know him. So that was a little startling. Then also, early on in my undergraduate career, I came across these verses. Um, don't, don't turn there. We're not going to camp out here long. But it was just by, well, it was by this other scholar. You may have heard of him, Jesus. And he says something like this, that he's talking to the Father, and he says, so these things of the kingdom... I thank you, Father, that you've hidden them from the wise and the learned. And you've revealed them to little children. Yes, this was your gracious will. So I'm in a little bit of a pickle here as a, as a freshman. I'm trying to dig in and get to know this book and know the God behind it better. And all the experts disagree with each other. I find most of them apparently don't even believe in God anymore or that this book is really his word. And Jesus is saying that in some ways, the more I learn, the more challenging it will be for me to really enter into the kingdom, the fullness of his life on earth. Have you ever been in a situation where you think, I, I want to know more about God. I want to know more about his word. But how exactly do I do it? What is the foundation that I need to build upon to really gain access to truth? To to truth of God's word. To understand God's words in this book better. But not just to know this book, but to know about God. To know who he is. To really encounter him. Have you ever been in that situation? Well, Paul understands where you're at. And it's a pretty neat thing that he does here in Ephesians 1, where we're going to pick up at Ephesians 1, 15. So the past few weeks, Neil has preached these awesome sermons. If you weren't here, podcast them. So good. Uh, from Ephesians 1, 1 through 14. And it is chock full of good stuff. Identity in Christ, who you are, what is yours, what your inheritance is, all these good things in the Lord. But it's interesting that as Paul like throws all this stuff at the Ephesians, he quickly, he, he shifts his focus in verse 15. And we're going to see that he, he does something that he finds is essential to all that's good and amazing about those first 14 verses. He's going to take that and say, this is essential if you really want to experience it. If you really want to live those out and have it not just be some information that you know, oh, this is cool, this is who I am, but for to have it really transform your life, like we're talking about. Um, there's a key thing that Paul's, that Paul's going, to be, going to be saying. Um, but to answer this question, so how do we get transformed by the knowledge of who God is. What is this foundation that we must have in our lives if we really want to know him more deeply? We're going we're gonna to look at that question in Ephesians 1, 15 to 23. So I'm, I'm just going to read it here, but read, follow along on the screen, phones, Bibles, uh, hard copy Bibles, whatever, whatever you would like. Um, So Paul says this, again, context being, he has just thrown all these good things, um, uh, all this truth, 
A lot of great information to the Ephesians. And then he says this. For this reason, um, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints. Also, it could just be even also. Um, the reason he's doing this kind of the fir- first 14 verses saying for those for that reason. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named. Not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. All right, that is good. Paul, continuing on like Neil talked about with this kind of high language, just emphatic phrases and uh, it's just so good. Uh, If it felt like we were just going on and on there, it's all one sentence in Greek. And so that's kind of why just goes on and on anyway. So, verse 15, Paul is saying, for this reason. He mentions that he's heard of the faith and the love that this church in Ephesus has. So that's part of the reason that he's going to go into this prayer. But it's also alluding to looking back to these first 14 verses saying, these 14 things, all this truth about who you are that I've just talked about, Now this is going to be key because I've got all this kind of thrown out there. But, well, I'll put it this way. He turns to prayer as if to say, unless God shows up and does this in you, unless God works this in you, uh, it's it's not really going to make a huge difference. So Paul is praying this prayer and he's, he's saying that, transformation comes not just from more information, okay, but from revelation. So this is a key thing, Paul here, all this good stuff. 1 through 14, he's saying that if you don't have revelation from the Holy Spirit, then you're going to miss it. It's not going to be able to go into the depth, the place that really brings the transformation. And so this is why Paul shifts from sharing all this good stuff to praying right in the middle of the letter. You know, or he just, he's starting the letter. He's saying, hey, you are this. You're justified. You have an inheritance. You have the spirit. You believe on him. You're forgiven. All these good things. And he's, and then he's just like, so I pray for you. I pray for you. And what, what does he pray? This is where we're going to camp out most of the time. is just right here in 16 to 18. Actually, 17 and 18. He remembers them in his prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give them, 
May give us, Lord, give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. This is the only time in, that Paul ever uses this uh, name for God, Father of Glory. And what that is expressing, it's not just kind of high flutin' language of majesty towards God. I mean, it, it is that. But this Father of Glory, the glory of God is when His awesomeness, His amazingness, His nature is revealed on the earth. That's his glory, is when we get insight, we get glimpse into who he is. I can still remember a number of years ago, um, some of you may know, may know the name Heidi Baker. She's someone who has just been a real influence in my life, but um, she works, she, she's awesome. Anyway, it's not super important who she is, but I just remember her walking around this stage at this conference that I was at on, on the glory of God. It was called the Show Me Your Glory Conference. And uh, I still remember Heidi walking on the stage just over and over going, the glory looks like something. The glory looks like something. It looks like, and then she'd tell a story about praying for a man with blind eyes in Mozambique, and then their eyes open. She'd tell a story about praying for deaf ears. She'd tell a story about sharing the love of Jesus with a bunch of orphans and, and people in a garbage dump. And she'd say, The glory looks like something. It looks like something when God shows up on the scene. And Paul, he's intentionally using this kind of language that's talking about God's desire is not to be off hidden as if we can't know him and see him. But he's saying he is the father of glory. He is the father who loves to reveal himself to his children. So then Paul says, let's, we'll just back back a little, uh, go kind of from the end of this thing that he prays. The revelation of the knowledge of him. This word for knowledge here, uh, it's really about to come to to know something. Uh, In our day in which we live, it's, it's looked down upon in some ways to actually believe that you know something for sure. Uh, we've been talking about in this sermon series that if we're to be a transformed people, um, we're going to look a little different than the culture around us. We're going to, be- our belief systems might be a little different, our values, the way in which we live. And I was, I was asking the Lord about that going into this sermon. I felt like the Lord was saying, you know, John, if, if you guys are really going to walk this out, and even in this sermon series, it, it might be a little challenging, actually. You know, and John, it should be a little challenging because you're part of this culture and this world uh, that my kingdom looks a bit different than. And I just know through eight years of you know, higher education, and as great as that is, I'm all for education. I think it's amazing. I'm so thankful for my, my years of, of study and continue to study. Um, but through those years, I, I realized that part of our culture, at least up here in New England maybe, um, there's a real skepticism towards ever feeling like you actually know something. And you can really take and say, I can, I can build on this. I can know this as a foundation for sure. And sadly, that gets put on um, God. You know, it gets put on who God is. And can we actually know him? And can we know things for sure about his character? about his nature, who he is, how he works on the earth, what his ways are, what his voice sounds like. And Paul, his prayer is 
I want you guys to have knowledge of him. This word knowledge, it's like that you could know about him with certainty that you know who this father of glory is who's revealing himself. So I think that's one of the a big way where we are to look a bit of a different people. I'm not saying we don't still have humility and we still don't understand that there is some mystery in this world and we need to have grace and, and I recognize that there is a lot that I don't know. But just because there's a lot that I don't know doesn't mean there aren't things that I also can know. And God is wanting to reveal himself and who he is to us. So that's, Paul is really hitting that home. And as if that's not enough, that he's describing God as a father of glory who reveals who he is to his children. And then he's praying, I want you guys to know knowledge of him. I want you to have this. It is my desire that you'd have it. He also throws in this, this prayer that, that the revelation would come from the spirit, that there would be revelation from the Spirit. It, studying this, it felt almost redundant. It was like, okay, Paul, I get, I get the point. Um, there's another word, and it, it means this word for revelation. It means really the same sort of thing, to make fully known, to disclose. It's not to uh, hide. It's to reveal, to reveal, to bring into light uh, that you could see it, that you could know it. And God is so wanting to take us from places where we feel dark in our understanding of him. Places where we don't feel like we can, we can see him clearly and know who he is. And we can at least take it to the bank that Paul was saying, if there's one thing that I want to pray for these Ephesians, it's that they would come into this place where they know that God is wanting to reveal himself to them. And that through this key piece, through one thing, that they can come into that place of knowing him. So what is that key thing? Well, Paul prays that it would be the spirit of wisdom and revelation that would bring about this knowledge of him. The Holy Spirit, he loves to give us more and more revelation about who who the Father is. You know, it's really cool. There's this whole Trinitarian thing going on here with the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, and the Spirit of wisdom and revelation. The Holy Spirit loves to reveal who the Father is. I, lo- I am passionate about the Father heart of God. That it is a revelation, it really is, that we need. And I can't just sit with a college student and tell them, All the information about, well, here's what the Father heart of God means. You are accepted. You are loved. Here are ways that your earthly father may have, you know, not been the best representation, all these things. But it's not really going to transform their lives. That didn't transform my life until I had a revelation from, from the Holy Spirit of what that looked like in my life. And I can still point to the time when that happened. It was near the end of my senior year of high school when I had this encounter with the Father's heart towards me. How deeply he loved me. And I experienced it. And it was a revelation that changed my life. Changed my relationship with my earthly father. And changed my relationship with my heavenly father. And so Paul's saying the Holy Spirit will enlighten the eyes of our heart. It's the same sort of thing. I know it might feel redundant. But we're just it's, it's important for us because the, the culture, the world we live isn't telling us, hey, you can know the Father. You can know Him. And you can know about Him. It's amazing. 
Um, so this, this whole, the eyes of their heart would get enlightened. So Paul uses this here. He's not saying the eyes physically. He's, he's talking kind of like Jesus, who, you know, Jesus said that, hey, that people, he wanted people to have eyes to see and ears to hear. Of course, people were seeing and hearing physically. But he's saying that there was more going on than just what people could see with their physical eyes and hear with their, their sense of hearing, but that there is a spiritual perception that was needed to come into a deeper reality of the kingdom of God. And that if we just tried to get it based only on kind of human intellect, human learning, that we would, we would miss the kingdom. And that's what Jesus was talking about in that verse that I mentioned earlier. Um, that the Father loves to reveal to people who recognize their need for Him and who are going to call on Him. So God wants to open the eyes of our heart that we would have a spiritual perception to know Him. And it comes through the Holy Spirit. It's really neat. What the Holy Spirit then does, we're not going to camp out here long, because I want to tell, I want to share some stories just about what this looks like in our lives. You know, what does this look like? But there's three things that happen when we encounter uh, the, the Spirit bringing revelation into our lives. And the, the neat thing about that, too, is the reason that Jesus says this thing about, like, hey, you hide it from certain people, but it's your pleasure to give it to others, is... He wants to even the playing field. All of us, if it, if it had to do with human intellect and being the smartest and the best and the brightest, well, then, then, then the truth of the kingdom would be reserved for a select few. And yet God's desire is that he would, that he would be known by many. That he would be known by an orphan in India that they would be able to have a revelation of the Father, that prostitutes in Brazil, that they would be able to have a deep revelation of who God is. People who, women in in Muslim parts of the world who aren't allowed education, God is saying, I want them to have just as much of a chance to know deeply who I am, to have knowledge of me. And so God has made it that we have to come to Him in this place like children, dependent on the Father. We ask, and he gives. We ask, and then we receive. And this is what we receive. We receive, in verses 18 and 19 here, we receive hope. That you would know the hope to which he has called you. That you would know the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. People think that means one of two things. The good news is both are really biblical. So whichever it is, it either is that we would know the greatness of our inheritance that we have in him or that we would know the greatness of the inheritance that we are to God. And as a result, we would know, wow, we are his inheritance and he loves us. They're both great and they're both biblical. So um, and then lastly, the greatness of his power towards us who believe. I don't know about you, but that's something that I need on a fairly regular basis Not just to know that there's this all-powerful God out there somewhere, but I need resource. I need access to that power on a regular basis. And what this is saying, Paul's saying, is that he's praying over the Ephesians. He's saying, I am praying that you would have the Holy Spirit to bring revelation into 
all of your studying, into all of your philosophizing, into all of your thinking, into all of your experiences in life, all of those things, all of the truth of God's word, all of Ephesians 1, 1 through 14 about identity and who God is, all of that, Paul's saying, I'm praying that, that, that God, the Father of glory, who wants to reveal himself to you, would do so by giving you more of the spirit that brings wisdom and knowledge of him. See, it's not just more information that we need, but we need revelation. We need revelation from the Spirit. And the good news is, He desires to give that to anyone who basically does what Paul does, which is pray. You can't earn deeper revelation. Other religions maybe have to do that. But in the kingdom, you come before your Father. And you ask for it. Say, God, I want deeper revelation. Would you give me more of the Spirit? In Luke, it says that it is the Father's good pleasure to give more of the Holy Spirit to those who ask. So you just come to the Father and you ask Him, God, would you give me more revelation in the midst of all my classes, in the midst of what I'm learning in the workplace, in the midst of the political things that I'm listening to. God wants to bring revelation. See, I know people who are very bright and know tons of information, and yet they have a humility about them to realize that they still need the revelation of God. Some of the brightest, most brilliant people that I know um, love Jesus and live in the kingdom. And then there's others who know a ton and are very, have tons of information and and don't have a deep knowledge and awareness of him. So it's not about knowing more or not knowing much. That, that's great. God wants to meet us in the midst of however much information we have and give us revelation. And in an age of social media and Facebook and media where we can know stuff that's happening around the world like this, we need the help of the Holy Spirit in the moment to make sense of everything. So I want to just tell a um, couple, couple stories of what this can look like when God brings revelation into our lives. And it goes just from information or knowing more to a, a real revelation. So I was reminded of a story uh, of a couple years ago that I heard of a friend. And, and this friend... Um, had gone through a really tough marriage. And just really tough. <laughs> and I won't, I won't go into all the details for time, but just from the honeymoon on, a destructive, broken, wounding person that she thought loved Jesus, renouncing all, all their faith and a bunch of different things. And so... So eventually, just the marriage could not go on anymore. And in, in tons of shame and discouragement and what she described back when she was telling me this as, you know, the hardest season of her life, um, she, she, had, she wanted nothing to do with going into, into a church because that was just really hard for her. But she went with her parents. She went into this church service, and, you know, she, she's a person, she's grown up in churches, she's 
would consider herself having been a Christian for most of her life. And she goes into this service, and the, pers- the person speaking starts talking about um, our relationship with God as if it's like an engagement. And she's like, this is the last thing I want to hear about. This is like hurting me on so many levels. And, uh, but she kind of pushes through. And, and this is, by the way, this is a person. She doesn't like roll in harbor circles too, by the way. So she's not like into necessarily even the whole like, oh, God speaking. And real. so it's kind of cool. Um, and she's like, in that, in, at the end of that service, I heard God speak to me, and God told me, I held your heart, I'm holding your heart, and I will continue to hold your heart. And she said, then I had a picture flash into my mind of a ring with a heart on it. And I was really concerned, because I was so afraid of what I was going to do with my rings. And I had to take, you know, I I felt ashamed, and I didn't want to, so I felt like God gave me this picture of a ring with a heart on it. And I went to a store and I found a ring that looked exactly like that. And I put it, I put it on you know, my ring finger um, because I knew that I was still you know, married to him. And then eventually I was able to shift it kind of onto, onto my other hand. And, and she said that that was the foundation that she held onto through years of healing, through the most broken time in her life. But yet... Her life didn't turn towards bitterness, towards God. She said that it actually helped her know God all the more deeply as he walked with her through this whole season. And she's really involved in a church again these days and, and has just an awesome relationship now that has been redeemed um, with, with a man who can love her and really care for her. And I just say, thank you, God, that you bring revelation In the midst of all the information that someone could have told her. God brought a moment by his spirit that there was a revelation of the knowledge of God. That her father was for her. I'll tell you just one more story. And then then we'll close and go into a time of communion. Um, So in the spring, after, after we did our baptism out there, which is wonderful. Uh, I got talking with Zach. Some of you may, may know Zach, but he was one of the guys who got baptized. And, and we're just getting to know his story a little bit more. And he was saying, he was just telling me how one of the neat things that God had been doing in the couple of months since he gave his life to the Lord was that God would just show up to him and he'd kind of see pictures in his mind or um, he would just have a sense in times of worship he would just kind of, a whole scene would unfold in his imagination of him being with God and God really talking to him. And one of the real neat ones that he shared with me, he said, um, I just had this thing happen the other day and I, did, I never had great role models in my life growing up. And so now that I'm you know, following God, I, I was basically just praying and I was saying, God, I, w- I would love some really good role models in my life in and I don't remember all the details, but he, he kind of saw, you know, God show up to him in his mind. And, and Jesus basically said, hey, I'm your role model now. Like, you can, you can look to me to be your role model. Like, you'll never be without a role model again. And so I was really excited when I was hearing that. I'm just, like, being touched by it. 
And I said, hey, Zach, don't ever lose that. Okay, as you grow in knowing more about God, as you grow in reading the Bible and learning more about him, don't ever lose. um, Don't ever lose the ability to be intimate with God and to draw directly from him knowledge about him and knowing him, who he is. And, And Zach, I'm probably not quoting him exactly, but was essentially like, John, it's all I know. I, I want to know more about the Bible. I want to know more about God. I want to know more theology. But I didn't grow up with any of this stuff. This is all brand new to me. All I know is that Jesus, all I know is the Jesus that I now love and that I'm now in relationship with. And all I know is what he speaks to me. And then I live it out. And I remember just thinking to myself, Lord, isn't, that's what we need. Lord, help us all to walk in a simple place where it's revelation that transforms our lives. Because it's not just more information. Again, nothing wrong with information. It's not just more information, but it's revelation that really brings the transformation in our lives. I want to invite the worship team up. We are, I was asking the Lord, how do we, how do we respond to this, to this word? Um, we, we get to respond with communion this Sunday, which is great, because this is one of those places where God reveals himself by his spirit. As we take, you know, the, the bread and the wine, and God shows up in our midst. It's not just a physical symbolism or representation, but God actually shows up in our midst. Um, I felt like the Lord put this picture on my mind. The picture was of, of a car stuck in mud, and the car was just like ramming on the gas and just kept going deeper and deeper and deeper in the mud. felt like God was saying that in trying to know him, and know more about him, that at least some here, but maybe even to some extent all of us, can fall into this trap where we think that if we just grit our teeth, or we have the right amount of discipline, or we try harder, well somehow then we'll get to know God better, and know more about him. It's kind of like we're just digging in the gas pedal, and ah, if I could just try harder, if I could get to church more often, if I could just do more of this, if I could learn more and read more... And we just kind of didn't. And then in the, in the picture, I saw a tow truck just kind of sitting there. And it just felt like the impression from God, he was just saying, take your foot off the gas, put the car in neutral, and just ask me to tow it out. You know, just ask, just let me hook up and just pull it out. And so I, I just felt like there was an invitation from God, um, not, not to check off your brain, not to tune out or anything like that. No, I, God wants to work through those things, and in the midst of who you are, in all of your humanness. And, but I felt like God was saying, there's a, take your foot off the gas pedal, and trying so hard to find him, and looking so hard, and trying to find all the revelation, and just ask him for help. That there's this simple place of ask him for deeper, for more revelation of who he is, and he would love to give it. So if you could stand up, I'm just going to pray these words. I'm just going to pray this prayer over all of us. We'll take just 30 seconds 
to pause so that you can personalize that to the Lord. And then we're going to go into a time where we'll close our service by um, taking communion. going to be the end part there. So. Lord, we thank you. I thank you for this people who live by such faith and who love one another so well. Just like the church in Ephesus. So God, we give you thanks. Lord, we ask now, you're our Father. You're the Father of glory. We ask that you would give us each one of us in this room, a deeper um, understanding that that it would come through the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. God, would you open the eyes of our hearts and would you enlighten them? The places that feel dark, the places where we need transformation, we want to know you more, asking that you would be the one to enlighten us, that it would be your spirit I love the way you equal the playing field for us. It's not about us. It's about you. So thank you, Lord. Just Why don't you just express that to the Lord in your own words just for, just for a few moments. <laughs>